You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, episode 16, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wegren Enterprises. I am John Suarez, joined with you today by my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how you doing, man? John, I am doing just fine. It's been about a week since we last talked. How have you been? Tony, I've been doing great, and one of the reasons being is because Rick Hahn woke up from his hibernation, and the White Sox finally made a move today. Yeah, uh, I didn't catch that move when it went down. You actually alerted me to that. I was taking a little break from the Twitter while I was at work today. So I want to give a quick shout out to kind of quickly cut you off that I got notified while I was at work as well by one of my coworkers who is a diehard Sox guy. So shout out Big Zims, but continue. Shout outs are always welcome. Cutting me off is not. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. No, the Sox actually did make a move, and it was Soria. It was. It was Joaquin Soria. Uh, There's only so many guys that we think the Sox are going to be able to move this July, and Soria was kind of the hottest name on the market in terms of a player on the White Sox. So it's nice to see him go. We still got five more days to see if anybody else is going to go. You know, we're going to see a lot of movement here in the next like week, two weeks, guys. So kind of stick with us for that. Yeah, if anything does like go down, that's big, big news. I know Soria making getting moved is somewhat big, but if there's any major, major transactions, we'll uh, we'll be on to do maybe a little quick recap of what went down. But like I said, we're not we're not really expecting too big of things here, are we, John? I mean, honestly. Like I said, Soria was probably the biggest name that I was going to see moved. I do believe that if we do see Shields go, we might see like a position player packaged in that deal. So you might see like a Matt Davidson, like somebody that we never saw come and go. But other than that, I mean, the, the trade deadline is going to be pretty pretty quiet this year, in my opinion. How, what do you think, Tony? I agree with that as well. I think maybe you, you might move another bullpen arm or two, and, and I'm pretty much with you there that if they do move shields there might be a position player that goes with uh i don't really foresee jose abreu moving i think they've come out and said that they they want to keep him around some people feel very strongly that they should move him he he is a an asset to this team right now Uh, he's kind of the leader of of the crew so it could go either way with him i wouldn't be totally shocked if he did get moved but kind of thinking that he's going to be here next year We'll see if they re-sign him, but uh, as of right now, I don't foresee this being like last year's trade deadline. Uh, There's really probably not going to be another top 100 prospect coming back in any of these deals that we make. Uh, Some of these deals are probably going to be more towards opening up roster spots for people who are currently in the minors, maybe an Eloy, maybe a Kopech, or somebody else to come up. Uh, But we'll have to see what happens. We don't know what Rick Hahn has up his sleeve, uh, and I'm sure he's working in and taking phone calls as we speak. Yeah, so aside from feeding right into the whole Soria trade talk, we got a couple of things that we want to get to for you guys today. You know, we had Carlos Rodon absolutely dominate the uh, Los Angeles Angels the other day. What a game. We It was a phenomenal game, and it was probably, Tony and I both agreed that it was our favorite game to date that the White Sox have played this year, and it sucks because it was on the West Coast, so a lot of the fans probably didn't really get to see it. So You know what? 
I I think that a lot of the people who are big White Sox fans stayed up for these games this past week. Uh, there was a tweet out there from uh, a Shy Sox weekly frequenter, Johnny Donnie, that he loves the late night games because it gives him a little extra time to pregame before the game. Uh, White Sox Twitter was kind of kind of hot. Uh, Popping it was off alive. a little bit it was, during this series. It was series, kicking you know? this week. Yeah, yeah, this whole weekend, essentially, because when they were in Seattle, too, it was still alive and well. But I don't know. I feel like White Sox Twitter is White Sox Twitter at all times. I don't really see a change in, like, amount of tweets because of, like, where they're playing their games. But I am a huge fan of the West Coast scheduling just because I work a job where I don't have a set end time. So I could get out at five o'clock. I could get out at eight o'clock. So with that West Coast start time, I didn't miss an inning of any of those games and I was so excited for it. So I wish the White Sox played on the West Coast, not move them to the West Coast, but I just wish that all our games started at like 9 p.m. Because that's just like, we're late night guys. You guys know that. Yep. Tony and I record super late. We're actually recording right now. It's 8.28 p.m. This might be the earliest we've ever recorded. This is absolutely the earliest we've ever recorded, except for one of our episodes. Uh, we did do an interview that was during the morning. Uh, but other than that, all of our episodes, guys, are normally being recorded sometime between... 10 and midnight. 10 uh, and midnight. And yep. it's crazy that we can squeeze. Like, the the guys that we've had on, there's some night owls, too. Like, none of them have recorded prior to 10.30 at night. I promise you that. Speaking of guests that we've had in the past, we do have someone on for you this week. You know, we kind of didn't really have anybody last week. We did do the guest callers. But this week, we do have Brian Billick from Future Sox on. So we're going to go ahead and get him on the line here in the next couple minutes. Yep. And then uh, I think we're going to review. Uh, and then I I might just get this out of the way here right now. Carson Fulmer is finally a reliever. Finally. And he's actually looking quite decent at it. Yeah, so Carson Fulmer made his full-time transition to the bullpen since we last recorded. And he's made a couple appearances and his ERA is below 250. That's what we want to see. We want to see Carson Fulmer pitching in a role where he can actually succeed uh we've gone over Carson Fulmer all all year far uh, too many times far too many times but I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way back up maybe in September in a relief role and, and I would actually show love to something see that. I would love, I would to, see love that, to see it. That's when the games are meaningless, and you, you know you got the forty man roster. If Carson Fulmer doesn't make that forty man when the September call ups hit, that's gonna suck for him. Yep. That's like all time low. So you'll probably see Carson Fulmer again on the south side, especially in a reliever role. I would love to see that in September. You know, we got some high leverage series towards the end of the year that we're gonna get our prospects a little taste in. We got the Indians at the end of the year. We got the Cubs. We got all these teams that are making playoff pushes. We could be those assholes that, you know, cancel the Cubs postseason dreams, cancel the Indians postseason dreams. So there's still stuff to look forward to, guys. This isn't the trade deadline is not it. You know, September call ups isn't it. We got you start to finish this year because there is something going on every week until then. Right. And I do want to bring up something that was uh, also at us uh, on Twitter P 
people wanted to know what's going to happen with the show during the off season. Uh, the show will continue. Uh, John and I may not be doing this weekly. It uh, may it, not go weekly, but it'll still go. We're going to do winter meeting episodes. We're going to do all that stuff. Free agency that first week. We're going to cover it, obviously. So we're not going anywhere, guys. Yeah, period. no, this is not just an in-season show. It's not going to not going to stop might like i said tone down to maybe once a month cover some of the big events but we also have a few different little things in the works a few little feature episodes and we're really excited about those can't really release any information on those yet but just know that we do have have the uh the hot stove covered and we are going to be with you guys year round so we thank you all for listening we appreciate you know all the follows on twitter and you know we love doing this and we hope that you guys continue to listen and enjoy what we're putting out so without further ado i think we're going to go ahead and get our guest on for the week yeah sounds good to me tom all right everybody without further ado that's going to bring brian billick from future socks on brian how you doing tonight i'm doing well guys thanks for having me yeah of course absolutely thank you for coming on So something that we kind of do with all of our guests is give them their chance to explain like kind of who they are, what they do for the Sox and all that good stuff to our listeners. So kind of want to give us a little bit of a background about yourself, Brian. Yeah. um, You know, I don't really know. I don't write too much anymore. Um, I don't. And basically most of my um, White Sox related stuff has been on Twitter, just kind of talking about the teams. But I guess I write for a site called uh, Future Sox, or I've been writing less frequently lately. Um, but really, I've just been, you know, a huge fan of the Sox for, you know, tw- I'm just 24, so, uh, just, you know, whatever. I've been a, a, long, a fan. My dad was a season ticket holder. He's been a season ticket holder for 30 years. So I've been going to uh, a lot of games for a long time. And, uh, you know, the early 2000s teams were just uh, fun for me to watch at the right age. So I've been uh, obsessively watching ever since. Fair enough. So you had said that you kind of haven't been writing or anything and that you kind of put out a lot of stuff on Twitter. And me and Tony were actually kind of talking a little bit before this because you were actually, when I got into this, one of my favorite Twitter follows and like White Sox Twitter. And uh, we were going to kind of give you a little bit, a little bit of shit because you haven't been putting out too many tweets lately. But you gave us a little bit of a background that your job's been keeping you pretty busy. So we'll kind of lay off a little bit on that. Yeah, I like how you say I, I was one of your favorite. Like, like I have to keep. I guess if it's like, what have you done for me lately? You just <laughs> John's a John's a very hard guy to keep happy. Honestly, I didn't even no, realize that fine. I worded it that's like fair. that. And I feel like the biggest asshole in the universe. And you I'm still not are one of my favorite Sox Twitter guys. I promise you. No, I, I really um, it's it's hard. I work on like a, a client basis, so it's not like I work for a corporation. Like my hours are all billable. So any sort of like track record during the day of uh, being on Twitter during build hours is kind of social media in general. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to risk anything in, in my career with that. Yeah, Brian, we completely understand. Uh, work comes first, White Sox comes second sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all the time, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a balancing act of sorts and uh you know, things tend to change over time, but I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be able to give it up uh, completely. You know, my dad is, you know, almost 60 years old and he's written in like four or five White Sox books, just like little small pieces. So, you know, over the years, there's always, uh, you know, some way to, to stay involved with it. There you go. 
So we have a couple topics that we want to talk to you about today. Um, obviously, Joaquin Soria was just traded this afternoon. So you had kind of said that you know a little bit about one of the prospects that they got back. So we're going to talk with you about that. We're also going to talk about this um, Los Angeles Angels series this past week that may not have been the best series, but was a lot of fun to watch, in my opinion. So we're going to get your kind of take on that and then we'll maybe get your take on some of these guys that you might see working their way through the system over the next couple weeks now that we're seeing some names kind of get dropped from the roster here so to kind of start it off with uh the Joaquin Soria trade you want to tell us a little bit about what they got back for that yeah so they got two pitchers um the the first one being you know really most of the value and the other one being just the flyer but the first one's Cody Medeiros and just, you know, following the draft, uh, as I have for Future Sox for the last uh, few years, Medeiros was a guy that went at the top after the first round. I think he went uh, 14th overall to, to Milwaukee. I mean, he was, he was kind of a reach at, at that point. He was uh, a high school draft, draft yeah, out of Hawaii, but he was just a left-hander with, uh, with a live arm. And, you know, he still has that live arm. It doesn't look like he's going to be a starter, although he's having, you know, his, his best year as a professional this year with a 3.14 ERA at double A in the Southern League. Uh, you know, he's probably going to end up in the bullpen because of, uh, you know, a lack of velocity uh, and, and just, you know, struggling to hold the velocity deeper into the game. But, you know, I think it's a good get for uh, Soria, considering that the White Sox traded uh, Jake Peter for Soria, who was kind of just, you know, organizational fluff of quad A player that, um, and and now they spun it into a guy that they might be able to factor in their bullpen years down the line. So looks like another nice get for the Sox. Awesome, yeah. So you had talked a little bit about Cody Medeiros, and then you had talked a little about his name's escaping me right now. I had it pulled up earlier, so bear with me. But the other prospect, the pitching prospect that they got, Wilbur Perez. Wilbur right? Perez, that's what it was. Yeah. And yeah. I had seen a couple of little like tidbits put out. Um, he he is young. He plays in the Dominican Summer League currently. Tony just cracked a beer. Mm-hmm. Plays in the Dominican Summer League currently, and he has a nice ERA. I was looking at his stats, and I think he has like a, against left-handed batters. He has like like they're hitting like 160 against him or something. Something ridiculous. Obviously, it's the Dominican Summer League, and probably wouldn't translate. But it's just. It's nice to see them get something for, like you said, what was one at one point Jake Peter, who probably wouldn't have even seen his way on the south side. Yeah, with the Sox having, you know, so many bench players as it is now, it's you know they're having trouble finding uh, time for these potentially uh, supplementary pieces. But you know, Maduros is definitely the big the big get in the trade, and uh, you know the other guy is, is just a flyer. He's a, he is young. He's 20 years old. But, you know, the Dominican Summer League, the guys are 16, 17 years old. And, you know, when you're, when you're that young, uh, a year of development is, is such a big deal. And, you know, guys that are, you know, far bigger prospects are going to struggle, you know, if they're 16, 17 facing a guy who's 20. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, the Sox might know something that somebody else does. This wasn't like a notable July 2nd signing. There's not much of uh, internet history on the guy, but he does have some good numbers despite being older uh, in the Dominican Summer League. There we go. So do you happen to know if either of those guys were ranked in the Brewers' top 30 prospect list? I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, Medeiros definitely was. He, he, he's probably uh, not not like top 
10, but somewhere after top 10. Okay. I mean, he, he was their first round draft pick in 2014. 14. I want to say. Okay. So, I mean, he, he's got a good pedigree. Uh, you know, I just think since he's been drafted, he hasn't been, uh, he hasn't improved his stock necessarily, but, um, you know, still a guy who figures to be a, a major league arm out of the pen. Do you think that the Sox could have gotten anything better for Soria if they put him in a package, or is this kind of exactly what you would have expected them to bring back in a deal for him? Uh, you know, I, I would only be guessing. You know, I think the Sox got crafty last year getting Rutherford when when they put together Canely and, and, and Robinson, Todd Frazier, but, you know, I, I would just be guessing at, at what Rakan is looking at. Um, I, I think that Medeiros was better a better prospect than I was expecting. Uh, Soria really did come on strong at the at the end of his tenure with the Sox. I mean, I think his last you know x amount of outings he was just dominant since like the end of April. So and he has an option for the next year that's you know reasonable at least for uh, you know lack of commitment standpoint for for a team this offseason. So. You know, I, I think it's a little bit better than I than I expected the Sox to get back. I didn't really think it would be a prospect that uh, I was familiar with. So we're going to start seeing a lot of that over the next couple of weeks, or not even the next couple of weeks, next couple of days. Trade deadlines five days from now, like we had stated earlier. So do you foresee, like, any other guys going? Maybe not bullpen pieces, but, like, obviously there's been a lot of buzz around James Shields. You know, you might see a dark horse like Avi Garcia, Jose Abreu. So is there anybody else you might see go, or do you think that is honestly it for the Sox? I think they'll do something else. Um, you know, I don't expect it to be noteworthy. Um, you know, I, I think just with so many bad teams in the major leagues, there's plenty of fourth, fifth starter types and plenty of, you know, seventh inning guys in in the bullpen that are available around the league. I think Soria is a guy that has a longer track record and was obviously the guy that was most likely to be traded for the Sox. But, you know, I don't know if a contender is going to take the leap on James Shields. You know, it's probably not a huge consideration, but for the teams that are brushing up against the luxury tax, they're not going to want to add him. For teams that are, uh, you know, in the playoff picture on a cheaper end of the payroll, on the, on the payrolls around the league, they're not going to want to add him either because I think, what, he would still have five or six million on the, on, uh, for the rest of the year for whoever acquires him. So, you know, it might be a money thing with Shields. Uh, you know, there's some relievers. I think Xavier Cedeno is probably um, the most enticing to to uh, contender, obviously, aside from Abreu. You know, I just don't expect a team to shell out for Abreu what the White Sox would need back. And, uh, you know, I, I think I don't I don't think they expect to contend next year. But, you know, there's still value for having Jose Abreu on the roster next year, whether uh, he finishes the year with the team or not. So you had brought up an interesting name in Xavier Cedeno, and sorry for like kind of toning you there, man. Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm just letting you <laughs> two keep, roll. I'm enjoying. I, I know. The... I was about to say I just keep answering all his fucking questions. Hey, you but, know, okay, you so... guys could keep rolling. I'm I'm having a great time. And on that note, I'll crack a beer. But so, I mean, you brought up an interesting name in Xavier Cedeno, who, in my opinion, I don't think the Sox utilize enough to get back what he's worth. I don't know if that really like makes sense, but. Like, he was very limited in his appearances. I don't know if he had any injuries on the side or anything, but the Sox just didn't really use him that much this year. 
for my for me to see them getting like really anything like even today like what they got back like I don't even see anything like that type of return. He, he for was a guy, John, that you and I talked about. We were high on him. We were very high on him earlier. We were you him and, and John Margot. Yeah, man. I was we gonna say. I, I remember you were you were very high on him. I remember that. But we were predicting big things for Cedeno, and, I, and Avalon's another one that I'm kind of surprised with too. And we're still seeing Chris Volstead give up four earned in like two thirds. So but what a what a sweet gig it is for Chris Volstead to come out and just eat innings, <laughs> make make a bunch of money, and then go home and brew some beer. I want to. I want that job. Anybody have any objections that that they wouldn't want to go pitch in? I'm sure the 108 guys would be all over that. I mean, that sounds. I'm. I'm actually surprised that the 108 guys don't advocate for Chris Volstad. I mean, he do you, he lives the life. Do you guys talk to the 108 guys? Oh, all the he's time. 108 guys. I I don't know about them. I don't know. Really? I'm just. Yeah, I mean, just throwing it out there. I, I I'm not going to say I haven't met them. I've met. Uh, you know, somewhere from two to, to several of them. And, uh, you know, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Ooh. You know, I, I mean, they know, they know, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, so but the one on. guys, they know where to find me. They know. They know. I heard you did some damage to their area. I, no, they're trying to do some damage to my reputation. Really? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their prerogative is, but. They put me in their in their little bracket. wasn't even in March, and uh, they put me in like the celebrity bracket or whatever. Which you know, you guys asked me what I what my history is with the White Sox or whatever. Definitely not a celebrity. Um, could have been a blogger. Could have been a super fan. Uh, not a celebrity. And then they sullied my name uh, repeatedly in a coordinated social media effort. Uh, with with the one goal of maligning my character, huh? We might yeah, we might I need mean, to air this out. Uh, you didn't. We were unaware of this, and yeah. I apologize to hear that. Oh, man, they that know. Sucks. They know. Well, they're they a man down. I mean, right now, I'm not sure if you you follow what's going on over there. They're they're a man down. What had happened? Uh, it looks like uh, one of the one of the OG members is uh, on a serving a suspension. For performance, performance enhancing drugs. What do you mean? There's an article about it right on their right on their WordPress site. On 108 site, they yep. got a guy doing steroids. What what are PBDs in in like drunk blogging? Is that like cocaine? Like I don't, I don't even I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, apparently, the PED he was using was a mixture of Excedrin, Tums, Horse Viagra. Adderall and LSD covered in a chocolate coating. Jesus Christ, that's heavy. That is very heavy stuff. <laughs> I'm not surprised coming from uh, you know those guys. I, I don't know if they, it's something that they do uh, regularly, but you know I, I think that's something they would want out in the ether to uh, kind of amplify their persona that they're striking for. You know, honestly. Um... On that note, we were planning on having a 108 guy on later on tonight, but it sounds like the best available time to bring him on would be right now so we can kind of hash this out here. What do you guys think? Bring him on, but but don't tell him I'm here. That's fine. We'll call we'll call him up right now. Tell him make it happen. All right, let's see if we can let's see if we can get him on. All right, we're waiting for Beef Loaf. 
son name's Beef Loaf. <laughs> oh my god. We are going to fire up White Sox Twitter. Hello. Is that Mr. Loaf? That's Mr. Loaf. This is the Loaf, yes. How are you boys? The Loaf himself. Loaf, yeah, we're, we're doing, doing great We're doing tonight. pretty well. Oh, wonderful. How yeah, so we doing? just got done. Oh, go ahead. I asked him how he's doing. I'd, I want to know as well, so go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm sitting in the beef cave right now, which is uh, where I tend to hang out uh, night times like this. I've got a glass of wine in front of me, and then uh, got uh, computer screens, and then uh, Bonita Steak, he's playing a little uh, Fortnite in the background. Hey, hey, tell her I said go catch that Victory Royale. I'm proud of her. <laughs> you hear that? You heard that, right? Okay. <laughs> You got it, Bonita Snakey. Don't worry. Just keep building if you're getting shot at. Okay, so aside, that was our little 30-second segment where we don't talk about anything to do with baseball. We've been doing um, that all night. We have. So we actually just got off the phone with Brian Billick, who he had, he kind of – he might not like you guys, Beef Loaf. We, we kind of got to the bottom of it, and he – Yeah, we almost had to cut him off the air because he was going off a little bit. Yeah. He was, so, he was cursing us out about the uh, about his his thing that he wants uh, uh, wiped from his uh, reputation. Yeah, so he was saying that you guys were kind of going at his character a little bit. No, I don't. I don't think that's true at all. We were. Uh, I mean, we were embellishing a bit, but I mean, uh, uh, it's all it's all fun to us. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know how we are. We're just sort of we're just fans who go to games, so we think it's sort of funny. Uh, that things like that happen at a game. But, I mean, he's not the only one. People do lots of crazy stuff at ball games. It's not a big deal. Fair enough. We agree with you 100%. <laughs> it's not like you're, uh, you're backing he, uh, down did, there. Did he curse at us? Did he, did he say that he would urinate on our jerseys or anything? I don't think anything like that came he, about. He was also, he was also coming after uh, the, the, the Cherizi PED suspension. Yeah, he's not a fan of that. Really? Yeah, and I, I, there's actually... You would think that um, it's, it's sort of split down the middle. That we've seen a lot of people sort of coming at us on Twitter that the guy doesn't deserve to come back. You know, he, he you know he did something wrong, et cetera. We we have the hearing tomorrow, actually. So uh, we've been prepping for it. We've been working with our attorney, uh, Vinny Baseball. He thinks we have a good chance. Uh, Wally Money's been in on this thing. I, I was actually I was at Teresi's condo yesterday. I had to let some investigators in there. It didn't look like they bagged up anything other than his Cheech and Chong bobbleheads, which I think they just wanted for their own personal use. They didn't find anything uh, uh, that I could guy tell. Is so such a phony. We're, we're pretty confident that he's going to come through this uh, tomorrow, and then he's going to be scot free again. Well, wait, what do you have like a, a PR director for for your drunken blog? I mean, what is this? <laughs> no PR director. What are you talking about? We we have an attorney. I mean, what was it? You sound like corporate speak. I mean, where, where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> how dare you stop? But, where, where, who taught you how to speak like that? I mean, oh god! I, I thought you guys were like the drunken blog. Like, oh, you know, we go to the games and we sit in behind the foul pole where no one could even see, and we like brag about it, even though our seats suck. You know, we are. We are at ball games at least, but everyone has their like regular life that goes on outside of their life at, at the ball game. We don't just drink all day every day. I mean, we gotta people go out and make a living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
Hey, did you did you did you know who this is? Oh, he does. I do know who this is. Oh, he knows. <laughs> okay, I, I wasn't sure. Okay, like I, I'm, I, I'm trying. I, to he knows our voices by this time. Here, I mean, I'm thing, trying like, to like I, pre- pretend that. I mean, all the listeners, th- this isn't a real beef, you know. Th- pardon the pun, <laughs> but you know, I, I got to come in here and, and be serious. And 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 this guy introduces himself by saying he's in the beef cave. <laughs> I mean, what what the hell is that? I, I kid you, I kid you not. I have I have pint glasses that Teresa gave me that are engraved Beef Cave 108. I kid you not. This is what they, the other guys named it this. They call it this. This is like my uh, my basement. I have a wet bar and a flat screen and, you know, this is like where I hang out. I'm jealous. The Beef Cave. <laughs> no, yeah, we, yeah, the, the, yeah, the totally, totally fake beef. There's no way you could be mad about us uh, giving you a little shit. I mean, it's good. Truth be told, it's giving you a little street cred. You know, I'll be honest with you. You guys were kind of funny with it at first, but once once my lawyer got involved, it it it, it wrapped up real quick. You know, so I, I give you guys credit. You know when to uh, shy away from a fight. <laughs> that's what we said. We have we have impeccable timing. <laughs> In and out. So, and apparently, they I, have a good lawyer I, as well. Actually, I not to, not to break away from the. Uh, the, the scandal, you know, here's the thing. I don't, I told John and Tony, don't put us on together because then you're going to blow this whole thing about the whole, and I, and I said, He don't specifically put said, so, don't put like, us okay. on at the same time. You know, okay, you asked I, that? I, I would never do that. Because he didn't want, well, he didn't I, want, he didn't want to make this a thing. <laughs> he didn't want to essentially detriment your character even more. Detriment my character? Well, I, mean, I don't want people either, to, either to get the idea that you associate with guys like a. I mean, this was not my I think idea. Most people are going to be considering the credibility of the source here. You know, it's not as if oh, uh, yeah. you know Walter Cronkite reporting I, I, these accusations. You guys lob at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I, I understand. Yeah, I mean, like who who uh, who who trusts the town drunk when they come out with some uh, you know when they're the eyewitness to some crime? No one does. Crime, crime. The only crime that I saw was, was uh, you know, and, and this is really sly. I'm sure their lawyer loves this. N- no one knows their names. Like Beef Loaf, El Chorizo. Like, I don't, I don't, it just sounds like, you know, menu items at a shitty restaurant. No one knows their names. There's no, there's no accountability. There's no legal liability because no one knows their names. And, you know, they could push over. I, I don't know if you guys have, I, I know I met John. I'm, I'm a pretty slight guy. Um, you know, I'm about uh, almost 6'2", but I'm only like 160 yeah, pounds. Say, you're, so, you're you know. Well, yeah, I'm skinny, though. And, you know, him and his buddies are large guys. And, you know, I made it over to the Section 108, and they thought there was some rivalry between blogs or something. And, you know, frankly, I'd never heard of their blog. And, and they pushed me over and some, you know, whatever happened, happened. But, you know, like I said, the, the legal team's talk. That's not exactly true. So here's the thing. When, when we first met, no, he, he, part of this is true, okay? We, but we don't get physical with anyone, all right? This is not our deal. <laughs> so he, when he came Full over, he had White Sox Dave with him. White Sox Dave's, even though he's you know, 4'11", maybe, he's kind of an alpha. So we, you know, we're not going to mix it up. We're not going to mix it up with those guys. 
I like how you guys like thought about that, you know, like, like, Oh, we're not, we're not going to fight these guys today. <laughs> that's a, that's a, like, is, that's a good four way. You gotta, you have to size everyone up before you, you know, before anything goes down, you have to know, we, especially the one crew. we got to know, we drink a lot. We mouth off a little bit, but we're generally fun loving, but we should know before we, you know, get too deep in conversation, what may or may not happen. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a, but, it's a risk of doing what we do. You know, you bring up uh, White Sox, Dave, and I don't always get the chance to speak, like, so informally. But what people who, like, bag on him, what what, what is that about? Like, is oh, that I, just a Barstool thing or what? Like, Yeah, when you get the Barstool following, it's a mass following. So I think you just, you're always going to have those naysayers and whatnot. I got, I got Cubs fan buddies that follow White Sox, Dave, just so they can answer his tweets and be assholes to him. So, like... I don't know. That, I, it comes with the if I ever, If I ever get to that point in life, you know, I just don't understand. If you don't like uh, Dave or you don't like Barstool, just, like, don't follow it. Don't don't pay yeah. attention to it. No, I'm with you, man. But, you know, yeah, what right. I say yeah. is that dude, anytime you ask him for a favor, like, he, he's got you. That He always buys the first round of beers, like, and then I just go on Twitter, and people are like, uh, "They were what were they calling him? They were calling him uh, a Nazi, maybe or something. I don't know. Oh, it's Jesus, just, it's too I much. Don't, I don't. I didn't see all that. <laughs> we, we've actually had people at at meetups that we've done, sort of separate stuff, you know, ask us or say stuff, and we were just sort of like, you know, this this guy's like the nicest guy you want to meet. He comes. He, unlike, I, I don't want to speak out of turn about who does what or whatever, but if there's one blogger who's at every single tailgate, like you were talking about, Brian, he buys the first beer. He shows up with beer. It's not like he shows up saying, uh, you know, I'm the big Twitter celebrity, everyone. He shows up with beer. At the Barstool thing, he shook everyone's hand, talked to everybody. I mean, it's ridiculous that people think a certain thing. It's totally not true. Oh, my God. I, my, I hang out with a guy. I'm, I'm 24, and I hang out with a guy who's like 40. And he's giving me shit, like, why are you hanging out with Dave or whatever? Because me, me, Dave, I was just standing around him. He took pictures with, like, every 14-year-old there. Like, whatever they asked him to do, like, he, he was just doing it. Like, he's great, you know? It's like me, I'm, I go there with a purpose. You know, he just, he's, he's a man of the people. I, I, I give him credit for it. I, I sure, if I was in his position, I'd, like, I'd walk away from a lot of it, you know, avoid it at least. <laughs> sure. Sure, but he doesn't. No, he gets right in there. He's, he's shaking hands. He knows it. And that's why the people who go to those things, who go to the tailgates and stuff, they know. People know. I mean, like, you know, uh, idiots on the Internet, they don't know. But, I mean, people actually go out there and spend some time with, with the rest of the fans. They know. How do you feel about Kenwo? <laughs> I think he's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't want to go down the whole, uh, you know, group of Twitter people because, <clears throat> we pretty much. Oh, like let's do it. Let's go. go. I think he's entertaining. Come on, beef. You, you don't want to go down the list. Like, are you afraid? <laughs> I don't want to. You are spend, uh, director of PR for Section One Hundred Eight. Oh, that, that's, hey, that's, 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 a good, uh, that's a good. That's a good turn. I'll get, you're you're a slippery guy. <laughs> Brian, this is. You know, Brian, we're in the same field. I don't know if you knew that or not. What field are we in? <laughs> do, 
Do you want? Because <laughs> we were talking about that before you came on. I, I don't. We know actually were talking, talking about it. Yeah, we were talking about our like kind of outside jobs outside of like what we what do for the White Sox. Oh no, I don't. I don't have an outside. I'm unemployed. But I was talking about like in terms of White Sox and on Twitter. Oh, White Sox. Okay, got it. But beef, like, you were I, talking about in terms of like real world job, weren't you? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I picked oh, up. I, I, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm a I'm a but, carpenter. But Brian, I do have I do have a, <laughs> a sort of a future stock question. Fucking guy, dude. What do you got? All right, yeah. Let's 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 bring this uh, back to a little baseball because I know beef loaf had yeah beef loaf had a few things he wanted to bring up while he was on here today. <laughs> I mean, you guys kind of ambushed me, but I... We did. I Sorry for the no warning. It was... I feel like you fucking guy. My question for Mr. Billick, um, I, I'm a little... I don't know much about the whole prospect thing, so I... <clears throat> I try to read what I can, but it's confusing for me, a little too nuanced, maybe. I, is... Uh, is can a player like with Zach Collins' profile where he doesn't make much contact, can, can that end up working? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he, he, it's not that he doesn't make much contact. I, I mean, with him, you know, in all professional baseball, this was true as of a week ago, out of, out of all professional baseball, number one in walks is Mike Trout. Number two is Zach Collins. I mean, the guy is getting on base, like, what, 43% of the time, something or somewhere around there. So, I mean, if he's going to hit 250, he could still be a really valuable hitter in the middle of your, in your middle of your lineup. I think if the, the question in regards to value with him is, is, is he going to be able to stick at second or at a, a catcher rather, you know, he's got a good arm and, and, you know, the team will pump him up in the press with the way he could throw guys out. But, you know, mm-hmm. every objective scout is, not very impressed with him behind the plate. You know, he's getting better. Um, you know, he's getting better working with pitchers. He's always had a good arm, but, you know, I, I'm not sure how much he's going to catch in the major leagues, but, you know, I've, I've seen the popular comparison for him is Carlos Santana. And, it, you know, I like it for the way reasons of his power and he's going to walk a lot. And, you know, he's a guy who could hit 220 and still be, you know, above league average hitter. So, you know, I think he's a, right. a good mix to have, especially when the Sox have really lacked that left-handed bat in the middle of the order. Oh, for sure. And Carl Santana, boring profile, but really valuable player. No, I was I was more thinking along the lines of, I know he lost that, but do his walks start drying up because he 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 has power, but he hasn't really slugged for a high slugging percentage. Is that is that just tied to the low batting average? Uh, like our, well, the Sox Park uh, in Birmingham, Regents Field, is like one of the worst hitting parks in in the minor leagues. So, you know, you got to give him a little bit of leeway in terms of power. But yeah, I mean, his OPS is like barely over 800 when he's getting on base over 40 percent of the time. So he's he's definitely got some room to improve on that. But you know, I'd imagine if he was in Charlotte, where you know your home stadium's a bandbox, I'm I'm sure the slugging would would kind of correct itself. And uh, you know, they always talk about how a left-handed power hitter can do a lot of damage at Guaranteed Ray Field. Um, so maybe it's about time to start to find a left-handed power hitter. Uh, you know, ever since Tommy left, they haven't had one, so they really need to fill that right. void. And I'm sure they're hoping he's the guy. Yeah, he could, he could be the next guy that terrifies me in my 108 seat, other than Daniel Palka. I mean, literally, he's the only guy. I mean, 
we were there when, when Tommy was there, but Tommy didn't. Tony didn't, Tony didn't really pull hard like that. He would hit a lot of home runs the other way, too. And so we weren't as scared. Like, Daniel Paul got yeah. pretty much scared every time. Yeah, Paulka's, Paulka really puts a hurting on the ball. But I, I don't know. He's, he's got he's to gotta do it even – I don't know he had two home runs today, but he's – all of a sudden spots are really hard to come by. Um, you know, I think Jimenez should be in the big leagues. He had a few more extra base hits today. And, you know, these guys, Paulka, Delmonico – Someone's got to separate themselves because, you know, the opportunities aren't going to be there for long. Right. Well, that brings me to this question. Who do you actually think will separate themselves and stick just based on performance this year? And if that if that answer is neither, I, I could see that as well. But somebody's got to stick around and, you know, fill a bench role at least. But you've got to expect that Eloy is going to be coming up here in the next month. Uh, and that's going to separate some time out. Uh, Lure's been playing all right, so you'd like to see him in the lineup, but I, I'm just sick and tired of Anna Mingle. Yeah, I mean, the Sox are really, from a front office standpoint, they're really dragging it out. Uh, you know, I, like, I don't know how Chris Bolstead's still on the roster. Um, we were just I mean, talking about that before you came on. Yeah, I don't, I mean... That guy, I don't know if he'll pitch another game after 2018, but I will say he will never pitch on a team that's over 500 at the end of the year ever again. You know, because the, the, this guy is like, I mean, I, I don't want to like rip on a guy, but it's just, it, there's no purpose. And and I think the Sox are getting to a point where let's get these AAA guys up that might be relievers of the future. You know, because I, I think the Sox wanted to lose a lot this year, you know, if, if if you're Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams, it's a lot more beneficial at the third pick than the ninth pick or whatever. So if this is going to be the last year they're really bad, like, so be it. But I think it's time to pull the plug on, uh, you know, the angle and Volstead and, uh, you know, and Fonte. They got some guys in AAA that are better. You, than, uh, you, know, you, bring up, you bring up a really good point. If this was the last year that they were going to be bad and you kind of hinted at it, I mean, let's get a consensus here. Was this year a tank job on purpose? Yeah, are you um, I mean, them? yeah, I'm asking everybody <laughs> they, they here. We're at... trying to win this year. I mean, that's for sure. Like, I, I don't. I mean, tanking in in NBA is much more deliberate, and I think that's what's kind of popularized the word tanking. But I, I just look at it as more of a process, and you know, they're in a a period of of contraction for spending and 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 growth for an internal development and, and everything's got to be geared towards that. So even a guy like uh, Soria, when they acquired him last off season, when they acquired him in, you know, December, the anticipation was they're going to be able to flip him, you know, this summer. It wasn't, you know, this is going to be our setup guy on a 90 win team that can make the playoffs. It was, we got to trade this guy. So, you know, they weren't necessarily trying to win. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that answers the question, but, they were definitely uh, not building the win in the offseason. Well, you br- you bring up that they they get Soria with the intent to move him. I feel like there were a few different missed opportunities throughout the year uh, to get other guys that they could have moved at the trade deadline. Uh, not to you know flip this on its head or anything, but there there were a few you know free agents or people on waivers that they could have picked up throughout the year that have turned into valuable pieces. Maybe like a Matt Harvey or somebody. Uh, that could have been moved at some point. 
you know, could we have benefited from making some moves instead of just standing pat? That's why I also wonder a little bit if the reason that we didn't make those moves was the intention to lose ball games rather than trade for, you know, guys like we see coming back in the Soria deal, uh, you know, a little bit more focus put on getting a higher draft pick for next year. I mean, you're speaking towards Matt Harvey? Well, not just him. I mean, you look at guys like Melky Cabrera. You I mean, you could have given him a shot at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but, like, nobody signed Melky Cabrera. Like, last year he had a 300 batting average and an 800 OPS, and he couldn't get a contract in the offseason. You know, he signed with Cleveland on a minor league deal in April. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I To me, it's, it's like quibbling – uh, about what could have happened. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I wanted the White Sox because they're 29th in payroll this year. Um, I wanted them to buy some relievers. Um, I wanted them to buy, like, the, actually the two guys that I wanted both ended up with the Cubs, with uh, Steve Sishak and Brandon Morrow. Just buy them, you know, with the anticipation of trading them if they stay good, you know. It's in a season, you know, I know it's not my money, but they have such a low payroll and so far below um, the averages. I mean, they have the lowest payroll they've had since like, I think like 2004 maybe or something. I mean, it's a long time since they've had this low of a payroll with the way that like revenues are increasing in major leagues. They could have made more moves in the off season, but you know, it's, that might be uh, something they would have to talk with Reinsdorf about. Right. I, uh, Brian, I agree with you. I mean, they, they could have even thought way outside the box and just uh, just told the Yankees, we'll take Jacoby Ellsbury's terrible contract. You slide us over a prospect mm-hmm. or two of no, we'll pay this down. Uh, go, Tony, going back to what you were saying, yeah, there were some guys. I mean, A.J. Cole, to me, is the guy that sticks out. And we, we've talked about it on a couple different Sunday soaks. He was just free out there, and now he's turned into, I mean, uh, he's lower down the pecking order for the Yankees, but he's turned into an elite reliever. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of that stuff that was floating around out there that it's curious that the White Sox didn't attempt to grab because if you're going to give innings to Chris Volstead and Hector Santiago, you think it might be worth a lottery ticket to try to uh, secure someone like that, you know, uh, uh, particularly A.J. Cole, he's a younger guy too, and there's some, there's some control available. So I, I was surprised as well that they, they didn't take more stabs at sort of weird things like that, you know, and, and, Ellsbury could have been a, a good salary buy. Uh, Matt Kemp, I mean, the, the Dodgers did a shuffling back and forth. I'm with their fucking accounting pissed there, about that still. I mean, that, well, that then they, you see him go out and get guys like Trace Thompson. And it's funny because, like, even at the beginning of the year, like, when that Matt Kemp shit came, and I'm sorry that, like, I haven't talked in, like, 10 minutes because I peed a little bit there, and I was just kind of like, trying to engage the conversation. But I, I'm you, so you mad about that. A little how, bit? Did you, how did you pee a little bit? <laughs> It, that, that seems like uh, you know something you might want to get checked out. Just a little bit. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. Just a little bit. So what I was trying to loop to was with the whole Matt Kemp right. situation, like even as it all came about, like when he was beginning to be rumored to sign somewhere in the offseason, it was the White Sox. Like I don't know if you guys caught all that at the beginning of the year, but Matt Kemp, like he was locked to like there. I was three destinations that he was like eventually going to go to. It was like the White Sox, Dodgers, and 
I don't even remember the other one. But, I mean, like, I was so on board with the, like, let's just get Matt Kemp this year and just, like, I mean, just throw him in the outfield. I mean, obviously, we see what we put out there every day. I would much rather see, I don't know if he's playing a corner outfield position right now or if he's still in center, but I would much rather see Matt Kemp in center than fucking Adam Engel. I don't know about you guys. They could have done the same thing with Carlos Gonzalez, too. Yeah, but I was kind of over the whole cargo experiment, and I'm glad I was because he's kind of trash now. So with, with well, Matt well, Kemp kind of well, resurging, the thing about Matt Kemp though is, is like he's he play as good a center field as the Harold Baines statue. I mean, like he he, he shouldn't <laughs> even be in left. Like the, yeah, the, that's true. I, I thought on those those things the 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 Kemp, and I thought I thought Kemp was uh, I thought Matt Kemp was with the Braves, and I thought there was a he trade was. there that down. Yeah, he was. Rogers, no. But, so my, my thought my thought with Matt Kemp and Jacoby Ellsbury was to do this shit NBA style, tell those guys to just go sit at home. And the Yankees have basically told Jacoby Ellsbury, just stay at home. We can't use you, and we'll put you on the disabled list for the entire year. I would have done that. I would have just been a salary-eating situation and, and load another prospect. So I, I think you still would have been saddled with you know, a lot of innings of Adam Engel that you don't want to watch. Yeah, and I, I agree with that completely, and, and I think – you know, it should be said that, like, Kemp's stock was negative. I mean, he, he's got a big contract. And, you know, if you're the ownership of the White Sox, and I'm, I'm just guessing here, if, if you're going to essentially lose on purpose or lose with the intention of building assets for the future, it, it's not really attractive to you to take a risk on a guy. I don't know, what is Kemp at? Like, is he two years, 40 million, or one year, 20 million? I don't know where yeah, he got his contract, like but he makes a significant amount of money. And one of the perks, if you're Jerry Reinsdorf in the White Sox ownership group, is if you're going to suck for these years and you're not going to be a topic of public interest, you're not going to be a well-attended stadium, you're not going to be you know, a fan favorite, you want to cut payroll. You want to save money. You know, So I think it's just hard to swing uh, in the business of things with, with so little upside. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, you know, we've been dogging the, the front office a little bit about them not spending. And I know we were talking about that a little bit earlier, but we sort of, we lose track of the fact that they spent $50 million or 50 million plus to bring Luis Robert in. And that's not really, I don't think that's figured into uh, any of the payroll figures. I don't think that's counted. I would assume the penalty for sure is not counted. So like, if you add that on to the current payroll, it looks more like a normal White Sox payroll. No, and and I'm glad you said that because I was going to bring up that point, but I didn't want to ramble for too long. And and (laughs) even at the time, so, I mean, they signed him last June or was it the end of May? They they signed him, and what I was told, you know, after David Robertson was traded was the second that they got Robert, it was like Robertson's gone because Robertson was the highest-paid player on the team, uh, if memory Mm -hmm. serves. So they it was with the understanding that I mean they were gonna they would they would have given up Robertson for nothing if, if that's if that's what it came down to just because they needed you know to, to have that sort of cash outlay in one year because they got to pay they had to pay that up in two installments fifty two million they had to pay over two okay. years so you know they had to shed salary just to do it or at least that's what ownership said they had to do. Right, yeah, and that's a big outlay in, in such a small period of time. Yeah. And we're so, just so going to let you two guys uh, Tony, go back and forth for the next, like, hour, because this is great. <laughs> well, no, no, I, 
No, you know what? I, I wanted I wanted you guys to put uh I, I guys want you guys put beef on uh just put them on like what is it called when you're in court and you know someone's grilling you you got the cross examiner and everything a deposition <laughs> yeah sure like this guy this guy beef loaf I mean how fake is this site they act like they're these drunken goofballs this guy speaks like he's running you know HR. You know, it's some family business. He's a smart like, man. He's a smart man. We'll give it to him. Beef yeah. is a very smart guy. I know, guy. but he's 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 coddling to, or he's uh, catering to the to the simple man. And I I, I just I don't know. I, I just don't think he's authentic. That's total bullshit. We are the simple man. Fucking pictures of all of us are absolutely real. Anything with. But I don't know how to Photoshop. Fuck. These are real pictures. You know, this is us out there at the ballpark. Oh, it's not about pictures. It's about the personas. <laughs> the, 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 the thing that people, I think the people like about the 108 thing is like when we get in a hot tub and we talk, this is, uh, it's not really a show. It's just three guys who are friends hanging out. And sort of that's all the whole experience is, the whole blog is. We, we have no... Uh, we have no sources. We have no inside knowledge about anything. We're just a bunch of fans talking. I mean, that's 100 percent what it is. You know, like this is this is us. And there's nothing wrong with that because I enjoy everything that you guys put out. I mean, the Sunday soaks are like a ritual for me at this point, and we appreciate every shout out that you guys give us on those. Thank you very much. Agreed. No problem, buddy. You guys deserve them. We we love the show. So I do. I do have a question for for all three of you. So I I pose this question to the to the Sox Machine guys uh, for one of their shows. I figured I would relay it to you guys. So I made them, I asked them to pick a non-prospect and a, uh, so it can't be anyone who's considered a, a prospect and it can't be Avi, Jose Abreu, uh, Tim Anderson, or Carlos Rodon. What player on the 25-man roster do you really hope sort of outkicks his coverage and ends up as part of the next really good team. It's funny because you had actually kind of proposed us that question maybe yesterday or the day before, and I told you I was going to definitely look into this, and I fucking lied, and I definitely didn't, so I'm going to right now. <laughs> Just pick one, pick one out of a hat I, while you're not honest, prepared. I know, literally, literally. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do my research on this really quick while, you, while I let you two talk, so I'm going to go last, but leading into that. Is that what you I, cut Tony uh, off with so you could look something up? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, yeah that's exactly. Have, he, he has a really bad habit of cutting do. me off. Ryan, that's what I do. But anyways, so no, I wanted to lead off with that. I promised you that Tony was going to pick Daniel Palka, and he told me he was not. So I'm really interested to hear who he has to say. And I hope it's not who I'm going to pick. But continue. I'm going, I'm going Omar Narvaez. Okay. That's, yeah. Okay. Continue. That's who I'm going with. I, Omar I, I, Narvaez. I think he probably does have a solid chance to stick. I mean, well, He's I, young. I guess we'll, He's young as fuck. Depends on the timing of the young catcher, right? Well, yeah, because of the timing of the other catchers, but also we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when you were asking about Zach Collins. If Zach Collins profiles as your DH or maybe moves over to first base, uh, you're going to need somebody else to stick around at catcher. I don't think Kevin Smith's your answer there. Uh, and Omar's been pretty solid behind the plate, especially, well, not only that, but offensively too this year. Sebi Zavala's maybe your other guy behind the plate and we I know we just drafted Gunnar Troutwine but I think that he's kind of a ways away I think that's kind of a position that we can see maybe a free agent signing in uh but if not I think Omar can kind of hold the fort down at, at least as the backup catcher 
uh, for maybe Zavala or if Collins continues on his track and they actually use him there. But uh, I don't like the Wellington-Castillo signing anymore after the PED suspension. We, yeah, I we don't like PEDs over bit. here. I guess we're going to see hey, what hey, he can... Sometimes that happens, okay. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I guess we'll see what Wellington brings to the table this year, and I, we've got him locked up for next year too, so I'm sure Omar will be splitting some time with him, but uh, I I, I kind of like what he's put together this year. He's hit a few different clutch home runs in some, in some you know, decent situations, and uh, I've kind of quietly become a fan of, of his game. And I'll All toss right, it over Billick. to Billick while uh well. I'm John's gonna let you answer. I already have to... my answer, but I wanna know the stipulations of the question. Does that include like pitchers, relief pitchers, does that include like everybody on the roster or just like just specific position players? Everyone in the twenty five man roster. Okay. Go ahead, Billick. No, you you already you already percolated. What do you got there? <laughs> so I mean I'm going to give a quick shout out to Tom Fornelli because I got to go with Yomer Sanchez and I don't know how you couldn't. And sorry if I stole your thunder there, Billick, but I mean, Yomer Sanchez has been having quietly one of the best seasons for a third baseman offensively that we've seen the White Sox, White Sox have in years. So you got to go with him. He's still, I think he's like what, 25, 26. He's, I haven't even pulled that up. I just pulled up his stats, but he he's absolutely killing it right now and nobody really even saw Yolmer kind of turning that corner and being like a 280 plus hitter with like a 350 plus OBP I mean I don't know if you guys did but I really didn't I mean we saw the sample sizes last year and the year before Yolmer's kind of been there when he was Carlos Sanchez back to the OG days but I never really saw him kind of becoming what he is now which is the MLB triples leader like anything like that so I'll kind of slide that over to you, Billick, but I'm going to go with Yomer Sanchez. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, I think Sanchez is always going to be limited uh, from a at, at the plate. You know, I think he does a good job on the field. He, he's pretty smooth and has a better arm than advertised. But I'm I'm actually uh, kind of at a loss on this one. We, we I, stole I your think, thunder. <laughs> it's, who who the fuck else? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think what Tim Anderson has more in the tank than, you know, I think people are just kind of like settling in a normalcy with him where I think there's kind of like a, you know, maybe not quite like a Jimmy Butler effect, but just kind of like in a way that he got to the game late, you know, he's got a good work ethic. And, he's the hometown you know, kid maybe, that isn't even from Chicago. One of those type deals. Like I love Tim Anderson and I just feel like he belongs on the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the contract they have him signed to, it's, you know, not going to hurt having him around for, you know, good value. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he's got a great arm. He's He's got speed, and he's hitting for more power now. And, and and I think for whatever reason, and this is like, you know, one of the only things I've been vocal about on Twitter this year, is just like the Sox fans are all just down on him. And I, I think, you know, a player like him who's so raw and has uh, such a little experience – he's in such a perfect situation where he could kind of grow as a leader, um, you know, on a team that's, uh, you know, not doing well, but, you know, hopefully is, is on the cusp and is going to turn it around and he could be, uh, you know, one of the mainstays there. But yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. We got another six years with him. So <laughs> hope he's good. <laughs> yeah. The ones are all big. Uh, we're all pro Tim Anderson for sure. I mean, we've been shouting people down as well because everyone gets frustrated when they see errors. But they don't. I guess they don't watch everyone else's shortstop play shortstop. 
I mean, like, like exactly. I I, no, I mean, you're not wrong. If you watch everyone else's shortstop, you know, uh, this side of Angleton Simmons or maybe Francisco Lindor, they all kind of look like that. Most of them look worse. I mean, like, so uh, they just get frustrated for no reason. So let's pose that question back to you, Beef Loaf. Who are you pulling for? I mean, uh, the company line at the 108 is also my line and really what I secretly hope for. Is I'd like to see Daniel Paul PR director sort of in sort of a in sort of a uh, strong side platoon situation, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of corner outfield, probably a lot more DH, uh, getting maybe 450 plate appearances a year just against righties mostly. I mean, it's not that not that the you know they're they're scared to play him against lefties, but you'd think when your team's better, you would you would just go with the strong side there. So. That, I mean, that's the guy. I mean, I think optimal conditions, as he continues to develop, I think you've got a guy who hits 25 homers and 450 plate appearances on that strong side of the platoon, which is, is sort of nice to have. Does this only have to do with the fact that he uses hashtag 108ing on Twitter? No. <laughs> no, you see, we, we, were, we were big fans before because he hits the ball so fucking hard. And then he actually followed us on Twitter before we followed him. We didn't know he had a Twitter account. And then so he followed us and we followed him back. And I think he just sort of likes, you know, that there's drunk fans that tweet stuff. I, I, I don't know. But it's just fun to watch him play. It's exciting to watch a plate appearance. So uh, you're telling me that fun. Daniel Palka must hate Brian Billick. I don't know. I was just trying to, I I mean, just trying to throw a joke possible. in there about how Brian's been going at you guys tonight. Obviously, jokingly, Brian's but welcome to go at us as much as he wants. In fact, put this. I'll put. And that's why. Here. And that's why we have you on here is to defend the 108. I had no idea what I was going up against. I'm learning so much too. You know, like we still don't know who Beef Loaf is. His identity is concealed. The legal I actually know his there. real name. You said knows his real name. I know it's there. Well, I mean, like I said. What's his phone number? You know, these are the type of questions <laughs> that people are asking. And, Look, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, when you're, it's it's not a, it's it's about anonymity, not because uh, we're trying to hide from anything, but you know, we have careers and we have families, and we oh, I know all of them all people all up in our stuff. You know. Well, when we you when we I'm had facetious, I'm I am I am like all about that. I mean, read my Twitter uh, info; it's all like you know legal protections. I'm not. I'm being serious. <laughs> a pen name, like when I had 300 followers, my name was Brian Thomas, and my friend made fun of me because I had a fake name when I write articles that nobody reads. And so I, my friend kind of like embarrassed me and laughed at me. So I made it my real name and now I wish I'd never like changed it because I wish, you know, you could be anonymous completely, but you can't, you know, so 40 years from now, this audio will still be on the internet. Well, I mean, you're big into business. So, so that's why you can't really hide from anything. They'll be able to find you. See, we're, we're just uh, drunken goofs at a baseball game. No one's really looking for us anyway. But we still want to have that protection. Well, so well wanna, yeah. It, like you said, I'm big in the business. Uh, there, there could be a crazy fan out there, uh, you know, stalker situation. We just want to avoid all that stuff. And we, I mean, we oh, even, we even talked about fan. the 
We even talked about that when we had the 108 guys on originally on kind of like, d- does this kind of follow you into your day-to-day life at work? And Cherise, I think it was Cherise had told us that like he, every day, like someone brings something 108 related up to him at work. So like it follows you eventually. Ooh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the craziest fan, I had this guy uh, when LaRoche like, quit because of this kid and everything he was like saying that i was like anti-religious or something and then i was in spring training because that was in march and i took a picture of like uh the the field from where i was sitting and he was like tweeting me like hey i'm with my kid but i'm still gonna come find you <laughs> it's like <laughs> he was like a four, he was like a 45 year old man threatening me uh, um, did he find you kid, you know he did not find me, um, but, you know, I don't know. That would have been, like, pretty interesting. I was sitting there with my dad, and I was telling him, like, you know, if, you know, you see, like, a 50-year-old man coming up, like, I, I, I didn't want to get, like, cold cocked from behind, you know? <laughs> like, he was threatening me over and over again. Hey, hey Brian, Brian, real, real talk. Yeah. Your old man, your old man, was he ready to throw down? He's ready to drop the suit or what? Um, you know, I don't think so. He, you know, he's he's getting up there. He's low T, I'm sure. You know. Oh my god! Did you see your dad's low T? He's yeah, He's fifty. Uh, he's fifty-seven years old. I'm sure. Like you stop producing that stuff at some point, right? There's um. Yeah, he's like crazy. Might right? know a little bit about you know, a He should. He should to... visit. He should talk to Frank Thomas. I'm. I'm pretty sure he's got a clinic. And he doesn't condone underage I don't know about Frank Thomas, so but know. testosterone replacements, like, uh, that's the future. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, that's what rich people do. Hot takes from Brian Billick. I mean, there, yeah, there's money uh, in it, believe right. me. That's, that's all I, over the internet. That's not just a hot take right there. That's, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, like, on my own <laughs> island on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Billick <laughs> Island, baby. I, was like, I, I, I didn't want to be I in the position of spending testosterone, but... Welcome we're, to we're, Shy Sox Weekly, where we could talk about someone trying to fight you at a spring training White Sox game and then loop it into a 10-minute conversation about testosterone. <laughs> I just want to... I just hey, there you there. go. We're a little older. We're like uh, 40-ish. Dreezy's a little younger. My Sox summer's a little older. We are not on testosterone. We, we, and we also, we're, we're also not on the Blue Diamond yet. Yeah. What about Wally we Money? the right to <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't claim his status. I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, do you guys consider those performance-enhancing drugs? And if Wally Money is on the little blue pill, should he be suspended as well? Uh, no, I, no, they're not. They don't really enhance anything that we do at the ballpark per se. So, no, I wouldn't consider them. You guys never hook up at the ballpark. We're married. Well, Wally Money's not, but the but the rest of us are married. So, no, we do not hook up at the ballpark. I, I don't see why being married permits you from hooking up at the ballpark. It it technically like, doesn't, but we choose not to. Let's <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> Have you okay. No, I mean, hey, I, I'm not a PDA guy still, myself. You still get but, out to the ballpark. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't mean that you had to uh, step out on your spouses or anything. I was saying that you and your significant others could, 
you know, go to the game oh, together and uh, have a nice night. Take the romance to the, uh, to the uh, yeah, no, not really. I mean, it's- there was actually a, uh, a, a tweet that you put out, Beef Loaf, about a couple that was doing that over in, I think it was the 109. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, you see some strange things when you're at the ballpark. That, oh, I mean, geez. We, <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, you see some of that sometimes. You know, little little, uh, little uh, public displays. I mean, you guys don't take your uh, your wives to the games, though, huh? We do sometimes. They do. But yeah, no, they do. You're, you're actually, your wife actually followed me back on Twitter finally, like, a couple of days ago, so shout wow. out to her. Did you ever, you ever meet somebody and they'll be like, uh, hey, you, you don't follow, me, follow on me on Twitter? Yeah. This guy walked up to me and I was like, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but I, I was familiar with him. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, you do a good job. Like, I, was, I just said something like, pleasant or something and he goes yeah like not not a good enough job for you to follow me uh, and like i just looked at him and then i was just like <laughs> i'm not gonna I, you know i was just like i'm not gonna be an asshole it was at socks fest actually and i was just like i'm gonna be i'll just whatever you know but i was like what is, what is i'm gonna unfollow you in to three weeks like, i'll follow you just just to like make them feel better I, I don't know why people get all up in their feelings about that stuff yeah, so Beefloaf, we were kind of giving him some shit, but like we were uh, when I was when we were kind of dialing him into the call, um, we were looking at his Twitter, and he hasn't really been tweeting too much lately. What's what's the deal, Brian? What's the yeah? We were too busy. Too busy we'll let you work. we'll let you explain it. You said it was a little bit to do with work, but a little tweet every now and then doesn't hurt. The people want it. Um, eat it. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Uh... You know, I, I, like I said, I work in carpentry and it's just, it's hard to be on your phone when you're working with your hands and, uh, you know, I've just been picking up some extra work to, uh, you know, pay for the, the house. So ends me, you, you got to sometimes. Yeah. You know, I'm a carpenter, single father with two children and it's, you know, it's not a lot of time for tweeting when you have, you know, these mouths to feed and uh, a lot of spaghettios that you need to, to deal you with. Get, What's that? I said you gotta you gotta get a lot of spaghettios and stuff, dude. You you gotta budget yourself properly, and you gotta you gotta manage your time, especially if you got two kids and a lot of houses that need work on them. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of houses that need uh, like wood and uh, finish and everything else, so. You know, that's like, like, like you were saying with, you know, you just want to tweet to make people like it. Like, I just want to, you know, hammer things that people like. And, and that's, that's how I go through it uh, on a day-to-day basis. Words of wisdom for Brian Billick. Yeah, right. If that I ever touching. need, I must say if that I, was touching. I, I, literally, if I ever <laughs> need some kind of handyman work, a little labor done in my house, I will, you will be the first guy that I, that I give a call if you're available. Cause you seem and, and very I, busy. I appreciate that. And, and I, you know, I thank you for, um, you know, let me get that plug out, you know? Um, but you know, just if anybody hasn't done Uber yet, my code is Brian B six, seven, one. Um, I don't want to take any more beef loaves time. So you guys can have your alone time with him. But, uh, you know, thank you for having me on. It was, it was a good time. And, and beef up, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths a- again. Yeah, Hopefully, try not to uh, fight. For, no, for I don't sure, worry about pal. that. I, I no, just, no bad blood. I, I don't, we, we didn't mean... Oh, we never. You know, you know I love that you guys, that Just 
you know, this is a very litigious society and, and just, you know, you and all your, your other people in the less fortunate seats, you, you guys just keep that in mind. All right. But otherwise I appreciate what you guys do. You got it. Brian, all thank right, you for coming. Thank you so much for coming. Right, out, man. You have a good rest of your night. Wow. Whoa. We're sorry, man. Hey, uh, hung me a little bit, but I mean, the thing is, there's nothing to hide. The one has got nothing to hide other than our identity. Uh, we have nothing to hide. We, we lay everything on the table. We're pictures of us everywhere. And we, we tell the truth about events that happen at the ballpark, whether or not people uh, like to hear the truth. I mean, I don't know, but we, that's what we put out there. It's authentic. Yeah. I mean, we kind of repeated it over and over while we had you and Brian on, but that was like, we had no idea going into that, what we were getting ourselves yeah, into. We, had, we didn't we, burn the bridge between I, either of you. We want to, we want to apologize a little bit because I know you specifically asked us not to do that. Um, <laughs> but then Brian asked us to do that. So he's a very we, convincing guy. I don't know. Yeah, like, he, he may have, may have greased our pockets a little bit. Well, that, <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's the Chicago way. So I'd expect you to do, uh, exactly what you need to do in that. But no, it was, it was less about, uh, I just want to make sure that he wasn't upset with everything. It's not like he was a little upset, but then he got over it. We talked through it, and I, I think everything's everything's okay between. Like I said, there's never been any in-person beef. I didn't know he was upset about us sort of telling a story of uh, you know a normal ballpark event that occurred. Neither well, did I. You know, you know, it, he, us here at Chisex Weekly, we're kind of like the the Maury of. Uh, White Sox Twitter a little bit tonight, and we're just happy that we could help you guys get through whatever it is that uh, might be bothering you. But we're just we're we're happy that you guys are getting along now. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I you, never. I, you guys were great. You guys, you guys brokered that. It was, it was, we it was so I, we gave you the I, floor I of our podcast for a good twenty minutes there, and I hope that all the beef was hashed out right there because there's been a lot of beef within White Sox Twitter over the last 24 hours, and you guys might be a little bit of the cause of that. Yeah. Well, we like to mix it up a little bit, you know? And you do. And you, and uh, controversial but still great content. Uh, the 108 did put a poll out this morning. Uh, Beefloaf, why don't you tell us a little bit about that poll? Because that was uh, one of the main topics that we wanted to get to you with today. Okay, yeah, great. Um, so, so I woke up a little earlier than usual. Just sort of, you know, I was a little, I was a little warm. I couldn't sleep that well, so I hopped up, put the coffee on. I'm sitting in front of the the Twitter machine, and I got to thinking about how good the A's are playing right now. Like the A's are just like crushing a million home runs. They're winning every other game. They they went from ten run comebacks, like yeah, they're like seventeen games above five hundred now. Like they were four games below five hundred. Like two months ago, so like we never crazy thought there run. would be a sequel to Moneyball, and we might be seeing it this year. My <laughs> Sock Summer, My Sock Summer will not watch that. Movie. My Sock Summer has probably never seen Moneyball. Quick little shit talk there. <laughs> My Sock Summer today, like we we have a group chat with not, not just the one awaiters, but some of our other friends, and he made some comment about people ask me about baseball on the internet, and I barely know anything about baseball, and that's uh, that's sort of true. So, yeah, he, I'm sure he's never seen Moneyball. I'd be shocked if he's ever seen the movie. I, I, I always liked the A's. And I was like uh, Billy Bean. I always sort of liked how the Rays go about their business. I wish they would spend more money, but, like, the way they're willing to sort of flip guys when they think they're done with them and, like, they, they do a good job of procuring talent, you know. So 
just thinking like, well, where do the White Sox stand sort of in that group of teams? Like in the, in the MLB, where, how smart are they? Like how, how intelligent is the, is the, uh, the White Sox uh, organization? So I threw out a little poll and I, and I put four different groups up. I put one to five, which I didn't expect anyone to really hit. I mean, a s- small number of people to hit. Six to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30. <clears throat> As you might imagine, the majority of the votes, something like 80% or close to 80%, were in the 11 to 20 and the 21 to 30 column. And then, as this was going on, a big fight broke loose between the, some of the socks on 35th guys and some of the sock machine guys. There were pocket protectors flying everywhere and, you know, a lot of, like, getting in there. And, and even Steve from Loop Sports was in on that, like, just getting in there and really knitting up, like, how bad the org is. And you know, the guys on the sock machine uh, side, they were pretty much like they're a bottom three organization as far as intelligence. And then Jordan Lazowski from Sox and 35th was sort of like, no, they're not. They're closer to the middle and, you know, they're in good position and they've created a good position for themselves. I mean, I didn't have a lot to say other than I, I sort of didn't agree with some of the teams they were saying were worse than the White Sox, just given, on, just given recent performances, sort of like the San Francisco Giants. That can't be a worse org. They've won three titles in the last decade. So it, they've got to sort of be better. So it, it did spark quite a bit of conversation. I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Where do you guys think they are? I didn't get a chance to vote in it because it finished up the voting before. Honestly, I was at work all freaking day. And when I got off, we went straight into the podcast and Tony like brought it up to me and I was like, holy shit. So we put off our, like the beginning of our recording, like 15 minutes just so I could kind of catch up on it. And while we have had Josh Nelson on the podcast and I have met Jordan, he's a great kid. Like I, I agreed with literally like they were both making phenomenal points. And I, if I were to vote, I would probably not even to sound like everybody else, but I would probably vote in that 11 to 20 range. Like most of the people did just because obviously there's other teams with prior success over the last couple of years to prove like, I mean, I hate to say it, but even the Cubs being one of them, like the Red Sox are a mainstay. The Yankees turned absolutely nothing into something overnight, basically. Like, so uh, there's a lot better scenarios in the MLB right now than the Chicago White Sox. I promise you that. So I'm not going to sit there and be biased and say, yeah, the White Sox are number one. They built their fucking farm system up ground up. Like, no, that's not where I'm at. But I am in the same boat of saying, like, just because they haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years doesn't mean that they're not trending up because they are. And I hope people wake up and realize that that the White Sox one day, maybe not next year, maybe not the year after that, but soon enough, the White Sox are going to be a consistent contender the way that they're building their farm system, the way that they're building their organization. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. Maybe I just totally stole all Tony's thunder by going off on a rant for two minutes right there. So whatever you can salvage off of what I didn't say right there, go right ahead, Tony. I've got nothing to say. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much again tonight. Uh, stole everything that I was going to say. Drunk but rants of Shy Sox Shonda. Let everybody much, know. I pretty much echo that <laughs> almost 100%. Are um, you guys with me, though? Like, I mean, I, Yeah, no, I would I would honestly rate them in the same space that you did. I, I don't want to repeat what you just said. I, Yeah, it's, it's right there. Uh, you don't want to see the rebuild kind of falter, though, in, in that sense. Uh, I, I like the direction that the team's in. 
Uh, not to sound negative, though, we have been bit with the injury bug. And I think that there's a difference between uh, how the organization is run versus what the actual outcome of, of what Rick Hahn's trying to put together is, though. So if you want to rate the organization and how it's run, right now I think it's in the right direction. I think that the team is being run in a way that, yes, you're trying to build something that's consistent for the future. You're trying to maintain a window of being competitive. And if you don't see that as a fan right now, you're absolutely blind. But if the plan fails, it doesn't mean that the team was run poorly. Just because some of our prospects don't pan out doesn't mean that the idea behind that wasn't a good idea. So I don't want to see people judge the team being run poorly just based on the fact that, hey, if this all goes to shit and none of it actually works out, it doesn't mean that it wasn't a worthwhile investment and a worthwhile plan that was executed because we didn't have a plan five years ago. We were just trying to piece shit together and throw it on the field and hope it worked. You know, throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. Uh, we actually right now have a plan. So put put us somewhere in the middle of the road. If it works out, I think people would end up scaling that vote towards the front. If it doesn't work out, all of a sudden we're just a shit-run baseball team again. I don't I don't really fall into that. I think right now for me, because we have a plan, because we have a direction, we've executed on that. Give it the time. Will it work? Maybe. But I think that there needs to be a little bit more credit towards what Rick Hahn's trying to do right now, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Tony, I, I actually I, I, I like your approach on this because you, you, you did something that I don't think everyone else sort of did. I think Jordan was trying to do this, but he, you're going process over results. You're saying – this is the process they're doing right now. I think it's a better process than a certain amount of teams in the league are, are doing currently. And everyone else was sort of pointing at uh, things that have happened, which is fine. That's empirical data. That's, you know, like we know certain things about our organization and the other organizations out there that you're rating them against that are, are truth. But, but you, you flipped it a little bit and said, look, let's look at what the process is here. And this process seems reasonable and it seems like maybe a better process than about half the team. So I, I, I hadn't really thought a lot about it in that direction, but I think, I think that you're uh, – I, I, let's just say I, I like your, your, uh, your train of thought on that. Uh, me personally, I voted in the last group. I voted 21 to 30. And the reason why I, I voted down there is, um, you know, the, the key things that still uh, are ahead of, of this whole situation are the things that the White Sox haven't been good at. And really, they haven't been good at them going back at least a decade, and probably you know, and, and and people might argue even longer. Number one is signing free agents. They're going to have to put money out into the marketplace. They have to sign effective free agents. Since Rick Hahn took over in 2013, I think they've signed one good free agent, and that's Jose Abreu. And I'm pretty sure Kenny Williams had a lot of hand in signing Abreu because of the whole scouting factor. So they're they're going to need some help there. And number two is, is the player development, which they also haven't been good at. So, like, they're going, to have to, they're going to have to not only get these blue chip guys across the line, they're going to have to get a few other guys across the line. And, and maybe it's just a matter of bulk numbers and a couple guys pop automatically. I don't know. So I, 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 I'm still a little unsure. I don't think – I mean, <laughs> I, I, the way it was being posed out there, I mean, like, 
Josh and Penal and some of those guys, you'd think they think the White Sox are like a bottom three organization. I'm not sure they're that far down. They're probably closer to 21 in my book than they are to 30, but I, I still would put them in that last group. Okay, so I agree with you 100%, Loaf. Like, I'm in your boat mostly until the point where you put them in the bottom tier. And the only reason that I'm not going to put them in the bottom tier is because, like, you go and look at, like, and, like, one of Josh Nelson's arguments, who, like, we loved having him on, great guest, uh, one of his arguments was that a lot of those teams have been to the playoffs recently, and a lot of, like, a couple of them went to the World Series and blah, 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 and Jordan's counteract where he listed those 10 teams that he thought was worse. Organizationally, I would literally put the Los Angeles Angels at the very fucking bottom of the MLB. The way that they have managed Mike Trout's career and not done anything with the fact that he is probably the best MLB player that we have seen in the last like ten years. John, I'm gonna and I'm that's gonna me. Go. Be, that's that's a a hundred percent opinion. What did, go ahead, Tony. What did the White Sox do with Chris Sale and Jose Quintana and Adam Eaton? They even had Jose Abreu at that but, time, like, dude, and I think putting, I think okay, no, 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 hang on, this is this is this is where I'm going to go with this. Is you can't uh, Chris Sale is not Mike Trout. I understand that, but at the same point None in time, you are. can't sit there and say that the White Sox didn't squander opportunities. And I think that that's where some of this fan sentiment comes when you when you look at the White Sox and you look at a poll like that and you want to rank them last because they did squander opportunities. And that's why when I take a look at the rebuild and I say, is this going to work? Eh, I don't know, maybe. because And people have brought this up. The player development has been absolute shit for the past 10 years, probably even past that. Uh, and then, yes, free agent signings. We haven't, we haven't made effective free agent signings. So... The reason that I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt right now is we haven't crossed that point where we need that free agent signing, and the player development is taking place. Now, if you if you look at the player development, I, I I'd grade that about a C, maybe even a D. Uh, Lucas Giolito not had the best year. He's he's a guy that you'd want to see better from uh, this season. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez started the year pretty strong been nothing but regression for him since then and then you even look at a guy like Yon Mancata uh it hasn't been a great year for him either I mean it's been developmental I mean he's had very strong uh showing and as as far as doubles and and other stats like that that you want to see come from him but the strikeouts are still a problem if you look at player development as a whole I, I don't think that they've done a very good job at the major league level of, of having guys who are former number one prospects turn out to come out and be studs. If you look at, you know, Corey Seager uh, on the Dodgers, I mean, that's a number one prospect who came right up and showed something right away. Uh, if you go and look at fantasy baseball, for example, if you go look at ESPN leagues, Yon, a former number one prospect, owning about 50% of, of ESPN leagues right now. Giolito, Former number one prospect. He's owned at about like 16% of, of fantasy teams. You t- start to take those guys and you go, well, what's going on with this? Now, Eloy Jimenez might be the, the outlier on here because I don't think he really needs the player development. But guys like you know Jake Berger, granted he has an injury right now. That's a guy I'm worried about the development. I'm worried about the White Sox system bringing him up. Uh, Gavin Sheets, you know, your Blake Rutherford, some of those other guys that – aren't 
even top prospects, you get a little bit nervous because, let's be honest, what has that White Sox farm system really produced over the past five, six years outside of maybe Tim Anderson? And even people have questions about his game. When's the last time we've produced anybody that's that's been drafted by our system that's come up and been an effective major leaguer for the White Sox? And if you go back and look at at the the root question of the poll of you know where do you rank the White Sox? I can see where people would say we're a bottom organization just based on the fact that the player development it's it's really not there. That's just it is what it is. I agree with you to an extent, but I kind of want to loop it back. I kind of want to bring it back to the part where you're talking about like Eloy Jimenez and all the other prospects like Giolito that we've gotten through trades that for the most part were already developing through other people's systems. So I kind of want to take that into account. But other than that, I understand where you're coming from. I get what you're saying. The Sox haven't really produced anybody prospect-wise that's worth something in a very long time. So... I do understand that aspect, but I do kind of want to bring that to fruition about like the whole like Eloy Jimenez probably spent at least four or five years in the Cubs system before we got him. Giolito in the national system at least two or three years before we got him. So like all these players are kind of already kind of tampered with. Like we're we're getting used goods, so we can only salvage so much of what we already get. And I don't know what your guys' take on that is, but that's well, just where I, I'm at with here, that. Here's where I would go with that is. Look at your scouting department, dude. Go back and say, hey, you know, Rick Hahn's pulling the trigger on these trades for but you know, that's players like, well, here, like Rick Hahn's Chris pulling Getz the trigger. And Nick Hossettler are kind of, they're kind of new kids on the block. Like, they haven't been, like, Chris Getz is, what, in his third year? And Hossettler is fourth. So, like, they're, they're newer, and this system is theirs that they worked with. So, like, we haven't really seen too much of it come up to the major league level to the point where we can make some sort of accusation on, oh, the new age of our scouting directors is just trash. Like, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about. And I'm not how, saying. I, I'm not are. talking about how we would grade this. I'm going back to the poll and saying, why do people vote the way they did? It's a, It's what have you done for me lately? If you look at the track record. There's really nothing that they've done to prove that that's not going to continue. At least in my opinion, there's no. And way. I and I agree with that part of what you said. I'm just saying with like the the people that have come over, like the the used goods, like you can't really judge them. Like I, I'm not going to sit there and judge Giolito off of what he's done based off of what we've provided him because Giolito made what 10 fucking triple a starts before he got called up to the white Sox for us because he's been on the major league roster ever since he got called up he hasn't been sent well, back down you know, a lot of people i and i brought this up with uh, the in the white Sox dave episode what are the struggles of Car- carson fulmer and lucas giolito how does that fall on on don cooper because even though don cooper's a major league pitching coach He's still responsible for these guys. He's still responsible he for he touches he touches for, these guys in spring yeah, training. He exactly. gets his taste with them and he he tweaks their he tweaks the rotation and everything. Like, well, and, and so if I, you don't think that Don Cooper isn't looking at some of these minor league pitchers and making suggestions on how he wants them to pitch, and the other pitching coaches within the organization don't listen to Don Cooper, you're you're blind because that's his organization. That's his pitching staff. That's that, that that's his job. And if Lucas Giolito has been a complete shit show all year and you got guys like Carson Fulmer who've been a complete shit show and they're underneath Don Cooper, 
you got to know that he's making suggestions to them that may or may not be working. And I, I would kind of put that somewhat on him, and that falls under player development. If this is a developmental year, and you know they've they've praised Ricky for being the guy that's you know going to develop these players, and you know you look back and say like, oh, he developed some of these Cubs players to become what they were, and then you hand it over to Joe Madden, and they go and win a World Series. Why are some of these guys struggling underneath this current regime? And yeah, if you if you go and look at that big picture as a whole and say, how do you grade this organization and how it's run? There's flaws. Hundred percent, and you're not wrong with that. And like, and Beeflow, feel free to stop in here at any time. But like, what where I'm coming from is that, like, the White Sox as a whole completely not only cycled their personnel within the organization player-wise, they essentially cycled it, like, player development-wise. And while you're saying Don Cooper, that's another thing I want to touch on. Don Cooper is, that's his pitching staff. The minor league guys are his pitchers to control. Maybe he's not used to that, because he's never been in that position in the time that I've seen, and Don Cooper's been a pitching coach for a long fucking time for the White Sox. I don't know the exact tenure on him, but I know that when I went to a Bull Sox Academy when I was like nine years old, I got Don Cooper's autograph because he was the White Sox pitching coach then. So I know <laughs> I know there is some absolute stretch on that tenure. So I'm not going to knock him on what he does. I absolutely love Don Cooper as a pitching coach. I mean, if there's, a, no, if I, there's I, any I, topic to get down on, it's it's the hitting coach region. But like, where I'm at is Don Cooper may not be used to this new regime of, oh, shit, I have to kind of pay attention to these double-A pitchers. And I kind of and like you guys can step in at any time. You guys might have a little bit more of a background being a little bit older than me. But what my take on it is, is like he might not absolutely be used to having to pay attention to Here, here's my thing on 40 that, pitchers opposed to 25. Here's my thing on that, John. If, if Don Cooper has never paid attention to what, his next pitchers are going to be, then Don Cooper's been doing a very bad job for many, many years. Uh, and I'm not every organization that, I'm not has a minor league system. No, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying that specifically. I'm not saying that he's not paying attention. I'm just saying that maybe now he's supposed to be sit, be paying more attention than he is typically used to. You know what I'm saying? No, I I, I get that. I, I'm just more or less along the lines of when they make it to the big leagues. They're supposed to be developed enough or at a point where they're deemed ready to perform at that level. And they then become inherently you know, Ricky Renteria and, and Don Cooper's problem to to work out. I mean, that's management at, at a basis right there. You've got to maintain your people. You've got to make sure that they're performing as best as they can. And... I, I'm not saying that Don Cooper is the reason that a guy like Carson Fulmer would go out and just have a shit outing. I'm saying that there's there's something wrong with the way that a guy can go out there and have multiple bad outings in a row and just look completely lost. That's kind of that's got to be their job to kind of settle that down and identify those trends and make recommendations for that to stop happening. Um, and if that guy is just deemed not ready, you need to move him back down. And we saw that with Carson Fulmer. But at we the did. same at at the same point in time, though, there's something within the White Sox organization that just doesn't give me that warm and fuzzy feeling that 
everything's going to be okay as far as player development. And I think that starts with your coaching staff and, and your, your the guys like Chris Gatz. Uh, we want to see one of these guys come up and just immediately succeed. And I'm hoping that that comes with either Kopech or Eloy. But, you know, there's there's still that that hesitant feeling to say, you know, you look at the track record, you look at guys like Joe Borchard, Gordon Beckham. We just have this this history of bringing I mean, but, up. like, at that point, you're stretching it back, and you're stretching it to the old regime. And, I, and, and Tony, I'm not trying to debate with you. I'm not trying to debate with you whatsoever. I 100% understand what you're saying, and we're going to let Beeflo step in at some point because he's been on standby for, like, 10 minutes. But where I'm coming from is – that you said that you're not very satisfied or like I don't I don't know the exact word for word what you just said but I wanted to stop in right there but I want to let you finish but I am 100% on board with the in-depth minor league organization that we have right now between like Winston-Salem Dash have hey, the they broke there, dude. their the t- record the talent you know is what I'm there. saying like no, the talent's there the talent is there I, and, and I'm here's cool here's what I'll dude. bring this back to John if I was going to grade everybody, I would give Rick Hahn probably a B plus, A minus on what he's done over the past two years, well, since the rebuild started. I give Rick Hahn A minus, B plus, because he, he has defined the direction for the club. He has laid out what his plans are. He's been pretty transparent with the fan base in saying that this is a rebuild, this is going to take time, and we have to give him the benefit of the doubt, and Beefloaf brought it up earlier we haven't crossed the bridge with the free agent signings and some of the player development stuff yet to actually fully grade him on that. So just we based on what he's know that like the free agent signings, while he has a say on it, like a that's free Jerry. agent signing yeah, that's, is, that's yeah, Jerry it's, Reinsworth. it's a, it's 80% Jerry, 20% the player actually wanting to come to play for the Chicago White Sox who haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years, who may not have the background on the system. Like, so that's going to be tough. It's right. going to be tough. So, the free agent signing. So I, I'll give yeah, Rick Hahn the, the thing is though the the free agent signing part is the scariest part because even if they're let's say they're bad like we're we're arguing back and forth a little bit about the level of development but they have so many prospects some of these guys are going to hit so even if they hit at a lower rate than the normal team would they're still going to have a, a core that pops up but here's and what scares me Beeflo here's what's here's what scares me is teams like the Yankees teams like the Phillies and teams like the Padres right now. But why? Why Why does it seem like the Padres, who's sitting there, at, I think, like at least 10 games under 500, why do they scare you more than the White Sox do? Just because, because what I'm they're looking, producing well, right okay, now. So, no, no, look, no. Just because what they're producing right now is better than what the White Sox are producing right now. Because I'm pretty sure our farm system only I don't has care two about, less top 100 prospects. In I don't, so I don't care, what about, what's, I don't care about what's going on with the team right now or what's going on in their minor league system. Because say we have five guys pan out out of our so prospect list, and they the have five guys players, pan huh? out. If you look at – this is a free agent thing. So if you look at Mike Trout, Mike Trout's going to end up in Philadelphia. That's, in my opinion, a guarantee. If they, if, if, if they extend Mike Trout a contract, he's going there, and they have a farm system that's just like the White Sox right now. San Diego is a destination place to go play for anybody. Who does not like that weather? These things kind of play into that. Who's coming to the White Sox? What's our big signing? If all that it takes to separate a team that is a, you know, 
division winner and gets into the divisional series and lose team versus a team that's actually going to go win the World Series is a big free agent signing of a star. Teams like the San Diego Padres, who also have the same amount of money as us, who have the same kind of core going on throughout the minor leagues, if they can extend a contract, who wants to go play baseball in April in Chicago when it's snowing? Or do you want to go play baseball in San Diego where it's 78 degrees and sunny every day? They have a leg up. I mean, that's, in in my opinion, unfortunately, they have a leg up. A leg up, but at the same time, a leg down. If you play that July heat. Go ahead. Go ahead. Eric Hosmer has already signed with them for a huge amount. The White Sox have never signed anyone that big. So they've already put the money out there and shown, hey, when we're ready, we're willing to put money out there. And like you're The White Sox have one of the biggest contract signings in the history. All right, let's not go back to Albert Bell. Okay, continue. Yeah, I mean, Albert Bell's contract's peanuts now compared to what, what people get paid. But uh, And uh, bigger market teams have money to paper over mistakes, right? So when, when someone like the Yankees messes up a free agent, that's fine. They have more money to dig into the pocket. I don't know how deep the White Sox pockets will go, which means uh, Rick Hahn's going to be have to get a high hit rate in his free agents. And what we've seen so far since he's been at the helm hasn't been pretty. And you're right. And we're not producing what we should be producing at this point at the major league level. And I understand 100% where you guys are coming from, but I'm not ready to just put them in the bottom third. Of that, I'm, I'm not putting and them I in the bottom third goal. either. I think I, like I said, you I did. think that you said that you no, put no, no, no. I said third. I put them exactly where you are, and that's just right now based on the fact that Rick Hahn has a direction, and I think that maybe I'm overstretching by the fact that not even I'm that. happy would... that they have a direction. I'm just I mean, nervous so like, at the how back far end back of this. is that pull stretching though? Because well, they didn't put like a time exactly line. like you said the Padres. If you're gonna put the Padres ahead of the White Sox in that poll, why? Because the Padres haven't been to the playoffs that many times in All the right, last let's go look at the, years. Let's go look at if the you're James gonna if you're gonna base trade, it off John. farm system, the Sox are up there. Let's go look and if at you're the gonna James base Shields it trade, John. You want to go back in the last three years? All right, let's go look at the James Shields trade. And we can look at the James Shields trade all we want. It's history. Like, that shit already happened. And we get it. Fernando Tatis could end up being something very special. And we gave up something stupid. And that's what a lot of teams do at the trade deadline when they think their team is going to do something eventually. And I don't understand. Honestly, I can go back and look at that deal a hundred times over at the Sox record at the time of the deal, at what they gave up for the deal. Like, it, it makes no sense. And also, that deal happened. I don't think that was a Rick Hahn deal. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm but pretty that, sure it was. It was. It was. Then it might have been at the very beginning of his tenure when he was kind of feeling everything out. But at the same time, like, I like that's one bad instance. Like, go and look at Jose Quintana right now and what he's doing for the Cubs and look at what they gave us. Go and look at, I mean, Chris Sale's having a phenomenal year, but look at, we got, we got Yom and Kata back. We got Michael Kopak back, and we also got Basabe back, who played in the World's game or the uh, Futures game for the World team and had a fucking phenomenal game. Almost won MVP if that other dude on the World team didn't have, like, I think he had, like, a bomb, a double, and a single. So, like, it's kind of hard to win MVP when someone else is doing that. But at the same time, like, Basabi's only ranked, like, 16th in our system right now. Like, that has to be at least somewhat encouraging to you guys. To the aspect of like we we are so deep 
in terms of outfield depth. In terms of, like, you guys are talking about Rutherford. Rutherford's, like, the 12th-rated prospect in the Sox system, and he's kind of clogged in the center field range. Like, he could be in AAA in a lot of other organizations right now, but no, he's in AA in the White Sox organization. So, like, we have a lot of situations where if you go and put them in another organization, like, there's failing organizations out there. Look at the New York Mets, dude. The New York Mets are literally laughable at what they're doing with their fucking team right now. So, like, I'm not, I mean, I'm very biased in what I'm saying, but, like, at the same time, if I wasn't a White Sox fan, I could at least respect what they're doing right now. Like, what, uh, what, just to bring this home, one, one final thing about the, the poll in general. Um, there was a very vocal minority that picked the White Sox as a top five organization. And, and they're the wrong. That, yeah, yeah. So 6%, so 733 votes. What is that? 43, 44 people, something like that. Uh, and I got a handful of them reach out and just basically say they have a sick farm system. They're going to be one of the best teams in baseball in a couple of years. So, so why wouldn't they be uh, considered on the top of this list? And so my, my brain doesn't quite think that way. I guess I've got more dread risk or something in there. But I, I thought that was interesting that there were a handful of people that were like, well, yeah, why wouldn't we? You know, everything's going to – this is all coming up right now. Let's just, uh, you know, let's think about it the way it's going to be in, in two, three years. And I mean, that might play a little bit and that might play a little bit into like what I'm saying right now is like the way, like the what ifs, like that's huge. So if you're playing that off of like what we're putting out there right now, bottom third easily. But if you're putting out that out there as a whole organization as a whole, we have to be somewhere in that middle tier, if not like at least inching towards that top tier, just because of what we have in the depths, like. And that's all, I mean, well, and here, I might here, sound here's like the, here's the real here's a real question. Here's a real question. I know, uh, Beefo, if you're a betting man, correct? I am. Yeah. So, are you putting money on the White Sox in 2021? Three years from now, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> easily. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think easily. Turns by then. Well, here's the thing: when considering something like this. Probably, and and one of the main reasons is they don't they're not going to need everything to go right. Exactly, to have a very winnable division if there's no realignment. Look at the AL Central right now, and look at what we're bolstering opposed to the Royals. Look what okay, we're now now we're gonna success. now we're gonna go into this though. Like, what do you consider success on the rebuild? Do you consider success a World Series? Do you consider a World Series championship the ultimate success, or do you consider making the playoffs no. for three or four years uh, and, yeah. and no I World did, Series uh, championships? Yeah, I actually, I had a poll out there where I, I, I took a look. I mean, I did a blog post first, but I took a look at a bunch of teams who had rebuilt over. This was probably over a twenty-year period, and just looked at the playoff windows for various teams. So you look at some teams like. Uh, uh, the Rangers, a more recent vintage, they went to the playoffs six of eight years. So they, they did really well. They didn't win a World Series. You look at a team like the Kansas City Royals and their, play, their, their window there, they only went to the playoffs twice, but they did knock out a World Series. So and they went to it twice. Out there in, a, in a Twitter poll is like, and I know flags fly forever and all that shit, but like what I put on the Twitter poll is like, okay, if the White Sox in, in the next 10-year window, I, I think I, or maybe it was eight or nine years, I put it from 2020 to 2028 or 29, if they make the playoffs four times, you consider that a success. 
And now there hasn't been a window in the in their existence where they've made the playoffs ten times in four years. And more than half the people did not consider that a success. I absolutely would. If they went to the playoffs four times between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty eight, I would be thrilled. You know, I'd I'd hope that I'd hope that uh, at least some of them were division titles and not just the, the coin flip game. But, I mean, uh, that, that's sort of what you're looking at. Four, maybe four or five playoff appearances in, like, nine years would be a huge success, in my opinion. No, and I think that's what you, you kind of hope for. I mean, it's maximizing the window. Uh, anything can happen when you get into playoff baseball. It, I'd rather make the playoffs than not. So, you know, if you're trying to get the team to be competitive, that's really all you can ask for. I'm with you guys. As I hear that beer sipping in the background, we are getting close to the end of Shy Sox Weekly, episode 16. That is my 10th beer of the night for those keeping track at home. I'm not shitting you. I might, Tony, I'm going to send you a picture. Or I'll just send it to the group chat when we're done. But I... Bought a 12-pack with the purpose of being able to drink some of it tomorrow when I get off work, when my week is finally concluded, and I'm gonna have to go and buy some more beer because we've had a very tonight, late, we've had a we've had a very early night turn into a very late night here. It, exactly, it's 11:50 now. We began recording at 8 o'clock this evening, so that is four hours for those of you keeping track at home of us just sitting here arguing with each other about. Brian Billick and the 108 dispute. Like, <laughs> I can't wait to air that. Like, we we have all that. We have. We're friends now, though. We're all friends. We're, we're all friends. friends. We're all friends. We're, we settled that. We settled that down. The beef has been squashed on Shy Sox Weekly. So shout out Shy Sox Weekly for that. Um, other you can't than that, shout yourself out though, dude. Beefo, shout us out. Shout out to White Sox Shy Sox Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Blooper episode season. Okay, so, I mean, so other than that, we really didn't even get into, like, who we think is going to be up in the next week for the White Sox, so we can talk about that briefly before we end this segment. We didn't really even talk about in depth about Carlos Rodon's start that we talked like we were going to. I mean, we wing Shy Sox Weekly and everything just kind of went off the rails tonight. And it, I don't even think it's a bad thing because I think it was great content. And I think that, it, I think, Tony, you said you had, what, like two hours worth of fucking editing that you have to do? Uh, Close to it. So, uh, I we're mean. Going, we're, we're going past the, the two and a half hour mark. We're going to chop this up as this- that we... Tried to bring you tonight, never even got to bring you, and we just kind of talked about what we do on Shy Sox Weekly. <laughs> uh, Beef Love, do you have anything that you want to close it out with? Um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'd like, I mean, I don't know when this will air, if this will air before uh, Therese's, uh hearing tomorrow, but I just, uh, you know, I, I hope that the listeners will give best wishes, that we get them reinstated, because we could really use uh, Treasy back in the 108. Tony and I would love to come enjoy a game with you guys when Treasy is fully reinstated. If so, hopefully, fingers crossed, but I am 100% in the book that he will get reinstated because I have I have faith in my guy. Yeah, John's a John's a very big Treasy guy. I'm a huge Treasy guy. You guys are honestly I love you guys. You guys what you guys do for the White Sox community, not only like the Twitter community, but just everything is you guys are great. Appreciate that, boys. We really love the pod too. Of course. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your night, Beef Love. Thanks you. Thank you for hopping on and 
Sorry for kind of throwing you in the crosshairs there at the beginning of your segment. <laughs> That's no problem. Thanks, boys. Great talking to you. Of course. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. And that was Beef Loaf from the 108. And a little bit earlier than that, that was uh, Brian Billick. Uh, I don't know where this night went, John. Uh, you and I may have gotten a little heated with each other. Um, and yeah. that's what we need more of on Shy Sox Weekly. So, I mean, tip of the cap to Brian Billick and Beef Loaf from one, the 108 for kind of settling their beef. And we got some unsettled beef that we got to kind of have, uh, kind of handle on the next episode of Shy Sox Weekly. Yeah. So aside from that, we didn't even really get to the main topics that we promised you guys earlier. So we apologize for that. We're gonna get um, to those. We're gonna get to those later. No, we're gonna get to them right now. I'm gonna squeeze it in. I got All the right. burps because I've been drinking a lot of beer. So over the next week, before we record our next podcast, I have. Two bold predictions. Okay. One bold prediction will be that, and it's not even that bold, but by August 3rd, not August 1st, August 3rd, you will see either Eloy Jimenez or Michael Kopech on the south side of Chicago. Okay. So that's one. Number two, I kind of hinted at it earlier in the podcast by saying... If the White Sox do trade another piece, they are going to kind of include someone that you might not want to see go, as in A, Yomer Sanchez, B, Matt Davidson, maybe even like a Daniel Palka, someone like that. Ugh. So, yeah, and I'm not going to even throw him in there. It's more so like a Yomer, Maddie thing type deal. One of them will be gone by the trade deadline. We are going to see a player that we did not expect seeing gone at the trade deadline, by the trade deadline. And that is going to be a, a position player. Because what we're bolstering right now, trade deadline-wise, is James Shields, like Brian said, Xavier Cedeno, you know, we got a couple bullpen pieces, blah, blah, blah. We traded Joaquin Soria already, so we're not really holding too much. You're going to see somebody go that you're not really expecting to see go. And that will be it. Bold predictions from Shy Sox Janda. I had a lot more that I wanted to fucking get into tonight that we're going to tie in next week, but that was, this was a great episode otherwise. I'm not going to hold it against Billick and Beef Loaf for kind of hashing their beef over our airtime because that was great content. So, Yeah, well, hopefully they uh, they continue to work things out and, and maybe form a nice little partnership between the two of them. Uh, we loved having them on. It was a good episode. It was uh, different, love, Tony. It was different. It was, it was, it a was fucking different. different, dude. It was different. Uh, I'll give it that. So we'll uh, we're gonna sign off here tonight. Uh, it was a good night. And Johnny, have anything else you want to say before we close it out? Not too much. We got the Blue Jays coming in town, and then when the Blue Jays leave town, we got the trade deadline. So we got a lot that we're gonna see in the next couple days that we are not gonna be able to bring to you over air. But hopefully our Twitters will be able to cover the lack thereof. So you guys enjoy the rest of your evening, day, whenever you're listening to this. And until then, go White Sox. Go White Sox. Ah.